I'm Jackie Altman. Hi. Hi. I'm Dallas. Hi. Well, thanks so much for coming today. My and pleasure. Yes, this is episode one of my new podcast, uh, <laughs> Fuel the Firefighters. It's very exciting to be on the very first episode. Yeah. Um, you're a firefighter, aren't you? I am. You uh, are. I'm a firefighter full-time for a career department, and I volunteer also in, at my home. Okay, cool. And I am uh, just a, a citizen, but I, I'm a dental hygienist, a healthcare provider, and I used to live in New York City. And uh, even though I'm from Dallas, I did. I lived in New York City uh, in 2007 to 2009, and I used to, to work across from Trinity Church on Broadway and Wall Street. Very nice. Yeah. So I would hear stories about 9-11, and a lot of patients in my office were affected by Absolutely. 9-11. Sure. And so uh, so today is actually September 11th, uh, 2022. Yes. Uh, it's uh, always a, a chilling time for me. Uh, I, yeah. I've got goosebumps I know. Just I, just got, I just got goosebumps, too. So... Um, so with that in mind, uh, the name of my podcast is Fuel the Firefighters, as is my nonprofit that I started a year ago. And, uh, the reason why I did was, uh, because 9-11 is so near and dear to my heart. And I woke up last year and I, I wanted to get lunch for the fire station near where I lived. And it just kind of turned into, into, uh, to a big, bigger project that I plan on doing every year. Yes. Uh, you had quite a few stations this year compared to last year, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> last year, I went to four stations, and this year, 11. That's that's a pretty sizable increase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of fire stations in Dallas or in the Metroplex, and uh, there's my station's one of the larger ones, and we really appreciated it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to see everyone. And uh, I think we posted pictures about it, actually, on my Facebook page and Instagram, Field of Firefighters. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so the hope of this podcast is to, to get the word out there about what I'm trying to do. And that is the, the mission of Field of Firefighters is really to show appreciation for what the fire rescue departments across America do for for us as as a nation, as a community of people, to keep us safe from from danger and harm. And well, we definitely up. felt the appreciation yesterday. It was yeah. it was a very welcome relief yeah. to have someone provide a, a little meal for us. It was it was really nice. Yeah. So. Hopefully, well, this year, 11 stations, maybe next year we'll double it. And then Ooh. for years to come, we'll eventually reach out and, and just blitz the whole nation with lunch and donations awesome. to, to show appreciation. That's a pretty hefty goal. <laughs> yeah. So actually, uh, coming up March 25th, we're going to be having our, our first gala. Awesome. Yes. Where? I don't know. Okay. I have an idea. There, there is uh, there is another healthcare provider in the area, and he he's collected antique fire trucks, and Neat. he wants to make a museum out of it. And I was thinking oh. that we could do the gala there. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. That'd be very cool. Yeah, have it like red and black themed and uh, like formal kind of a thing. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you'll have to let me know. Yeah. So, uh, so for this episode. Uh, 
I just want to also just to mention that we're, we're not going to mention exactly which fire department you work for. We're going to try our best. Yes. And disclaimer is that, uh, the, um, that if, if you were to, to mention any, any stories about being, uh, what you do, the, the names will either be changed or left out just for the, the HIPAA privacy of, of the, those individuals involved. Absolutely. We'll take that very serious, but on a a little bit lighter note, firemen rarely let the truth get in the way of a good story. So okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can come up with. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, Dallas. Yes. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in San Antonio um, in 1999. I decided uh, to go to college and I moved to Stephenville, Texas to attend Tarleton State University. Uh, and I still live there. So okay. it's about 100 miles from my house to my station in Dallas. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for coming here today. That's mm-hmm. great. And, uh, okay, so do you have, like, a large family then? or? So I've got, um, I grew up with five in the household, mom, stepdad, um, my half-brother and sister. Um, it was very busy times, that always. We were very busy at home, um, but I had a fantastic amount of support from my family to help me accomplish and, and my brother and sister accomplish their goals as uh, we were growing up. Okay. What, what did they do? Like, So we all did, uh, we all participated in an organization called 4-H. Uh, it's um, predominantly based in agriculture and that's what we participated in mostly. Um, there's lots of other programs within that volunteer organization um, that that you can participate in. Okay. And it's uh, it's it's kind of where I gained my volunteering spirit, and that'll we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Okay. So if you were involved in the 4-H club and all that, did you always want to be a firefighter? So I did not. Okay. Um, as a small child, I wanted to be an 18-wheeler driver because I thought that would be just so cool. I grew up a little bit and thought, I'd really like animals. I'd love to be a veterinarian. Okay. Um, however, my grades proved that um, I was not ready to okay. be a veterinarian. Okay. Um, I went to college, and I didn't know what I wanted to be. Um, whenever I was in college, I heard a radio ad. They were starting a new volunteer fire department. And they needed volunteers. And I'm the kind of guy that raises their hand when they said they need a volunteer. Okay. So I signed up. I started with my other department in 2003 when it started. And I've been there ever since. Okay. Can I ask a question, though? Sure. So when people say volunteer firefighter, Mm -hmm. do you get paid to be a firefighter? Like volunteer kind of implies that you don't get paid. Right. So across the nation, most of the nation is protected by volunteers for different areas, different parts of the country. That means different things. Okay. For my volunteer department, if you are a volunteer, you do not get paid. You're just there to serve the community. Okay. So if you volunteered to do Habitat for Humanity or at the animal shelter, you would just be volunteering your time. Right, right. We do the same thing. We just have maybe a little bit more at stake. Whenever it comes yeah. time for volunteering. I mean, because this can be dangerous, right? Right, so. right. There's an inherent danger in all that we do. Yeah. And, um, okay, so so you kind of 
in a way, sort of stumbled into firefighting. I did. It was it was uh, purely a mistake on my part. I, I thought it would be fun. I like to drive. I thought these would be cool pieces yeah. of equipment to drive. I'd love to drive a fire truck. Right. It sounds great. Um, I eventually graduated college. I enjoyed all five years of my four-year degree. <laughs> and then I got a job managing Walgreens. Okay. So huh. complete, uh, my, my degree was in general agriculture from a 4-H scholarship I yeah. got. And then I went on to manage Walgreens, which had nothing to do with the fire department or agriculture. Um, but I finally decided I didn't want to work in that type of environment forever. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a, took me about a year. Okay. But I decided after, at a certain point, about five years in, I decided... I want to do something else, and I've really enjoyed this volunteering firefighting. So I thought I'd start applying, and I applied all over the state, and I eventually got hired about a year later. Okay. And I have been been there ever since. Okay, so I have to ask this then. Sure. So if you're volunteer firefighting, mm-hmm. do you do you go through training to do it if you're volunteering? Sure. But so that's a that's a real regular question we get as a okay. volunteer agency. Um, each department has their own rules and regulations. Oh, okay. My department had, was real big on training, especially when we started because we were brand new. Right. And we had a lot of guys from other career departments. Okay. That happily trained us. Okay. Since then, I've had a great number of opportunities for training because of my volunteer agency because there's there's more availability um, to train as a volunteer through grant money um, and and my volunteer department heavily supports the training so if you make the transition from a firefighter like a volunteer mm-hmm. firefighter to I guess a professional firefighter you go through even more training so you can become certified as a volunteer okay. um, and you can you can get all of your certifications um, and that will allow you to make the transition into a career department okay. a little bit easier um, the department I got on full-time with yeah they had they sent us all through the training either way so if I was already certified I would have still received at the time six months of firefighter training and gotten my EMT through the fire department. Yeah. And then, but once you're in, it's not like you're done. It's not, there's, it's almost like uh, you needed, there's different levels, orange belt, brown belt, black belt. I noticed when I was going around yesterday and last weekend and everything, a lot of firefighters are busy studying for exams. They're trying Mm. to get different things. Yes. I know one guy who is taking an exam to so he can like help with california fire stuff Mm -hmm. and he could be like deployed and help in california it's not like you move to california it's just like you're there temporarily sure so there's a lot of specialty teams in dallas yeah and um each team is has the ability to work as that individual group like hazardous materials group or uh, search and rescue, uh, or wildland. Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned the California portion of it because I've been on the wildland team 
since I work volunteer in rural America, where we have a lot more grass fires and wildland fires. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I decided to go ahead and raise my hand when they started a wildland team. Okay. And volunteer here uh, for my career department. And I've been to California twice. Um, I don't know that we'll go back to California as a team. Okay. But we have, I went out earlier this year uh, to the Hill Country, uh, deployed to help other areas. Um, and it's a, uh, it's just one way that each department can help their neighbor. Okay, that's cool. Okay, so for you, what type of a firefighter are you then? Uh, I, I don't. I'm not sure exactly. Or is that a bad question? Well, are you different? You have a lot of different certifications. So I, I do. Um, each each firefighter can pick their own path. Okay. Just like you could in any job. Right. Um, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. So if you wanted to move up in, okay. in rank, you could study and test and promote. Um, if you wanted to really focus in on a specialty, you could get lots of certi- certifications within that one area. Okay. Um, it, it would, it, we're definitely not doctors, but I would compare it to all the different specialties a doctor could be in. Okay. We're not... Um, we don't have to do just one thing. Or you might just have a guy that decides he enjoys riding on the back of a fire engine for the rest of his career. And he may, He's happy with he that. may just be a, a senior go-to guy that's, that's a solid individual that can um, has, has got that experience in that seat for a long time. Okay. Um, okay, so that's cool. So how long are your shifts then? So um, my career department... We do 24-hour shifts. Uh, We're on for 24 hours. We're off for 48. So every day we start, it's like a Monday, and every time we get off, it's like a Friday. We have the weekend. We get two days off to do things like this. Yeah. Or, you know, spend time with your family. Yeah. A lot of guys use it to to maybe supplement their income or uh, pick up a a fun hobby. Um, You know, it's, it's each guy's different or each firefighter's different. Uh, there's a lot of departments that have made the push to go to uh, 48 hours on and 96 hours off. Oh, that's interesting. So you would work two days and then you'd be off for four. Um, it, it, to hmm. me, that's really great for moderately busy departments. Yeah. Um, I happen to work at, as far as we can tell, the busiest station in the state of Texas. So... Us working for forty-eight hours straight would be really tough. Wow. That would that would uh that might put a little strain on our patient care and uh, just fatigue in general. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, okay, so I guess twenty-four hours at at the the station. What kind of things do you guys do? <laughs> I mean, like, okay, obviously you're gonna eat. I saw a lot of eating when I was there. We, we do base our a lot of our shift around meals. Um, we count our shifts down at, at my station, many, many where I work. Um, you know, after breakfast, we got one down and three to go before, you know, yeah. the, the shift is over is what it feels like. Okay. Um, so beyond eating, uh, we have the opportunity to train. Um, I, you can, for us, we would go out of service, go look at buildings in our district or use it to practice deploying hose lines or okay. some sort of search and rescue or 
you know, raising ladders, something like that. Um, we do have to do continual education. And okay. it's usually, for us, it's been online for the last few years. Yeah. Um, Post-COVID and all. Yeah. And then we also uh, share a lot of time together. Um, and for us, it's giving each other a hard time. Yeah. There might be a few pranks that go on. Okay. Um, well, no, you need to tell me what kind of pranks. I uh, need to know. <laughs> the, the biggest thing that we do typically at my station would be water traps. So as the brand new guy's getting on the, the ambulance, he opens the door and a cup of water gets dumped on him. Okay. And now he's got to go on this run just soaking, soaking wet. wet. Okay. Um, I have seen um, firecrackers inside the station. Oh, okay. Like when you're using the bathroom and they slide them underneath the door. <sighs> um, I don't condone that, but right. it is one of the things that happens. Right. And... Uh, they, they can get progressively worse. Okay. But okay. we, uh, there's a couple of big no-nos. You don't mess with someone's bed, their sleeping stuff. Okay. And you don't mess with their protective gear. Okay. So their bunker coat and their okay. pants and coat and, um, right. Their, their helmet and boots. I have seen some pranks that were pretty interesting. Um, my favorite one I've heard of. Okay. Is someone put, the Kool-Aid packet and just sprinkled it in the gloves, uh, firefighting gloves. So you get some nice purple. Because you sweat when you your just hands sweat and then you pull mixed. them out and your hands are just <laughs> purple from the wrist down. Sugar-free, obviously. Uh, yeah, Sugar-free Kool-Aid. Of course. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, that's a pretty fun one, but uh, I think that would probably have a, I think uh, there would be some, some words to be said after that. It might, might, uh, cause some problems down the road yeah well, because then the gloves they're always gonna it's be gonna like be that. always gonna be like that you're gonna get purple <laughs> hands every time it's funny yeah but okay anyway yes this is good this gives me ideas for what i can do to my boss there you go because we wear gloves too at the dental office <laughs> <laughs> perfect and uh oh i like pranking too but i'm i'm a, i'm a Girl Scout kind of a thing. So this past April Fool's, what I did was I waited for my boss to go into the office. Mm -hmm. And then he always gets there early before everyone else. So I got there just after him and I completely saran wrapped his pickup truck, which I mean, it's not going to ruin anything, right. but it's just like really inconvenient when you want to go home. Yes. <laughs> so There's that. Or <laughs> I have seen guys put people's trucks on blocks where their tires are just that far above the ground. Like you don't notice it. Oh my gosh! And you go to put it in drive, and the tires and they they're the, not going. They're and not you're going like, what's going anywhere. on? And then you're like, oh gosh, yeah. that's funny. Okay, that's yes. funny. That's good. <laughs> okay, so here's a big question because it's it's September 11th. I have to ask. Sure. Where were you? So I was still in college. Um, I I was in chemistry class, and my professor, Dr. Lowe, came in. And he was, he was off. There was something not right. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of teary-eyed, and I, I didn't think a whole lot of it. And then he said, um, "Were the Twin Towers have been hit by an airplane. Uh, they think we're under attack. And at the time, I, I didn't understand what that meant. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody in the nation really understood what that meant. Yeah. And... Um, so I, I was working uh, 
part-time for the press department and working for the newspaper. And so I went down in there. I thought, they're going to have information because it's the press. Surely right. they're going to know. And still nothing. Everyone was clueless. Yeah. And um, for the first time, our friends all got together and uh, we watched the news, which mm-hmm. we're college kids. We didn't... Who watches the news? We didn't right? care about yeah. the news at the time. Uh, but that day, yeah. it was very important. It was, it was, shut up, the president's on. Right. And it was very serious. And, uh, and it was just awkward silence amongst friends. And uh, that, that evening, when we were trying to put, make sense of it all, mm-hmm. um, I, didn't, I didn't see the implications. I didn't understand what was going to happen down the road or, or what would happen because of it. Yeah. Or the things that happened because I, I wasn't a firefighter at the time. I didn't even think about the firemen rushing in and the 343 that, that perished in that building collapse. Yeah. So it was, uh, I, I've, I've just grown more and more aware of, of everything that, that took place that day and the, the sacrifices that were made, the heroes that committed their lives, um, and the lives that were lost as a whole. It's, uh, it's just every year just gets a, a little bit more... Um, it tugs a little bit more at the heartstrings every year. Mm-hmm. Cause I, mean, it, it could, I mean, I know that you guys, if you were put in that situation, you would be there doing it, it the same thing. Absolutely. Much. If they so. would have done it to, to my career department today. Yeah. Um, and I was on duty, we would be committed just yeah. like they were. Yeah. Um, it, it is an inherent danger of our job that, that we're going to rush into danger. Um, we work really hard to mitigate those problems yeah. and to, to be safe. Mm-hmm. Things have changed since 9-11. Um, I think that it would be handled a little bit different, but there are some challenges that we would struggle to overcome that, that they suffered that day. Yeah. Gosh. I didn't even know what the Twin Towers were when when it happened. Like, I didn't really, I don't really know too much about New York City before I lived there. Sure. So, I didn't, I didn't even know. And, but when, when it happened, I was in dental hygiene school, and I was at Baylor Hospital, uh, downtown Dallas, and they didn't let us leave because we, we know CPR. They're like, we don't know if, because there's a lot of federal buildings downtown sure. Dallas, and because the the Pentagon was attacked too, they didn't know if if they were going to try to to attack uh, downtown Dallas. They're like, this is a hospital, and you're attached to the hospital, so we're not allowing anybody to leave in case we need you. Wow! Like, need me? <laughs> I've never done CPR on anybody. Like, right. I obviously I'm just, certified. Just the dummy. I know. Yeah, just yeah. the staying alive, staying alive. <laughs> I'm like, you know. <laughs> But, yeah, they didn't let us leave, so we were stuck in the student lounge watching watching the news. Wow. That we was... just kept watching the footage over and over again. That was awful. Yes. How they just kept replaying it and replaying it. They didn't have anything else to show because they no. didn't know. They didn't know what what to show, what they could show. Yeah. Um, you know, the news is going to put information out there as quick as they can get it, but they just didn't have a lot. No, it's crazy. So. Yes. Um. And, uh, yeah, so here we are. It's 21 years later. Mm-hmm. So. Um, 
I, I heard a report from our hazmat team that talks with the FBI. Yeah. And um, there's been heightened alerts. Hmm. And Dallas was number three on a yeah. watch list. And mm-hmm. and they have, the FBI had bought, had, had posed as a bomb or terrorist uh, supporter. And had this guy had showed up to buy... Um, some sort of explosive Goodness. to to, um, to harm the citizens of Dallas. Wow! And so that was going to be uh, that that was shocking to me. Uh, yeah, you know, because it's close. Yeah, and uh, you, you you see it happen on the news and you see it happen elsewhere, but you don't you almost always don't think it could happen here. Yeah, and we've had to change our mindset that it could absolutely happen here. Yeah. So it's 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 a scary scary thing. It is. Absolutely. Well, when I lived in New York City, I would take the subway and there was police officers and stuff, but still there's a lot of people moving through. Mm-hmm. And I've always said to myself, if somebody really wanted to be evil mm-hmm. and hurt people, they can do it. Like sure. there's so that was always in the back of your mind. You didn't actually feel completely Secure and safe uh, with so many people around you down in the subway tunnels all the time. And yeah. I guess the same thing goes for any public uh, public transportation area or public places, that kind of a thing. But but you guys uh, are there we are. with the police. If, if anything should happen, you guys keep us safe. So thank you. So here's a question. Do you have any stories like that stick out in your mind? Oh, goodness. Like, uh, you know, my daughter asked me that the other day. She's like, what's the most interesting thing that's ever happened to you? Yeah. Oh. So there's some that, that are easily shared and, and some that um, are only shared in certain company. Got you. Um, I, I had a... I was riding the ambulance. Okay. And we were coming back from a hospital after dropping off a patient. And we got flagged down. Uh, somebody's waving at us all crazy. and We pull over. And they point up, and we look, and it's somebody's walking on the outside of the railing of the of a balcony on the, I think it was the 14th floor. Oh. I said, oh, my goodness. And I look up, and I, I see that they're naked. Oh. Yeah. So I start calling for resources. Um, police come fire trucks come to block off the road in case the worst thing happens and we don't want them hurting somebody down on the ground. Um, the person goes back over the railing inside. Um, they go into an apartment, they go downstairs, end up on the ninth floor. They police ask us, they, they go up there, put handcuffs on this person. Um, are they still naked? Still very naked. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we don't we don't carry extra okay. clothes. Okay. So right. Right. At best, we have a a, a sheet. Okay. Right. If they're calm and hold still, the sheet's good. Okay. If they decide that they're all over the place, yeah, it doesn't doesn't do very good. Um. So they say, hey, can you take your stretcher upstairs and help us transport this? person down sure no problem we go up there the police put the put the patient on the stretcher um very naked <laughs> uh, how 
naked was this person? <laughs> and uh, they had put this, this table runner, I guess. I don't know what else. It was. It wasn't any bigger than a... But, like a hand towel kind of... Or uh, it's it was a, long. It, it was long, but it was okay. just narrow. Gotcha. And this person kept sitting up. Um, very much female. Oh, okay. And um, so we would go downstairs with this patient and this female... This, this lady's just talking, talking, talking. Crazy. Crazy. Just okay. uh, not making a lot of sense. Um, like manic? You know, uh, I, I wasn't really sure. Okay. I, I couldn't, couldn't, I didn't know if they were on something okay. or off of something. Oh, got you. Um, so we get into the ambulance and they said, can you just put in the ambulance till we figure out if y'all are going to transport her or we're going to transport her? The police are asking. Sure. So I put the patient in the ambulance and then I, I climb in and my partner closes the doors. Well, normally he would be in there closing the doors, but he closed me back there with the patient who's just talking nonstop. <clears throat> I figured something's, something's off. Um, what, I mean, English? Talking English? Like, what? English, okay, English. English. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, it, it turns out um, this person was um, transgender, and I had to navigate that in my questioning. Okay. So it was uh, an awkward set of questions to have to navigate with this person who's not speaking um, clearly, uh, making good sound statements. So it was very, very uh, unusual. And my partner is up front, sitting up front. He can hear and, and see, but he's sitting up front and he is just laughing at me. Oh my gosh. The questions... The answers, the questions I'm having to ask are, uh, the answers I'm getting back are pretty amusing. And, and we get that a lot from patients that, okay. are, that are on or off their medication when okay. they should or shouldn't be. Um, they, and so he's up front just laughing. And um, this person's telling me that, that I'm Adam and she's Eve and that we need to go to the White House and get married. Okay. And I was... My partner up front still just laughing like crazy. So we go to the hospital and we trans we transport her. You went to the White House to well, get married. <laughs> <laughs> um, at any rate, this the story goes on and and they they treat her at the hospital and and I, I share what I can of the story. Yeah. Without identifying the patient, and um, it turns out that. I had shared the story with a friend of mine, and he sends me a, a news article, and it's this person that was suing because they had gone to jail and then and uh, made them um, the jail had the same problems I did because they didn't know where to put, put they oh now I see they didn't know where to put mm -hmm. the person that's right in the girl part of the jail or the man part of the right, jail right and so fortunately huh. it, it, the patient had named a, a rookie classmate of mine that, that, that they had dated oh and um, I thought that was uh, my, my, my partner up front just oh. laughing again uh, it was the whole thing was um uh, well, we're very concerned about the patient and right. taking care of them. And yes. we got them to definitive care. And, mm -hmm. and they were able to, to 
um, be treated. Right. It was a, a very interesting exchange of information okay. and start of the story. Um, just the, you know, everything that went on was uh, just way outside of the norm. So many questions I'll have to ask you yes, later. Yes, <laughs> So many questions. It, it was... Uh, it was pretty entertaining. Did and you tell this rookie uh, my, firefighter? I, yes, <laughs> and, and he denied. Okay. But uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he said it was just being nice, and they they didn't date. Okay. Okay. So uh, now, just for some fun questions, sure. Because you are a firefighter, and girls, he's married. Who's ever listening? <laughs> I asked him Happily if he married was with children. I asked him if he was um, what did I ask you if, if you were or single or divorced? Those neither. are the two <laughs> those are the two options. You said neither. So uh, so Mrs. Sims, you got a good one. But okay, here's some questions. How many push-ups can you do? Do you guys ever have competitions <clears throat> at work? Um, so I am on the Wildland team. Okay. And we are required to do a set number of push-ups uh, within a minute. So we have to do 25 within a minute. Okay. We used to do it as a competition. Okay. See how many you could get in right. a minute. Um, due to injuries. Oh. Of guys pushing them too, just pushing okay. themselves a little too far. Okay. They have just made it where you do your 25 and you're done. Okay. So I could, I could do more than 25 in a minute, but I guess it depends on the time frame on how many I could really do. Okay. Okay. And, uh, okay, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Is it required to be hot to be a firefighter? I have to ask this because okay. yesterday, oh, my God. And, and, and honestly, the weekend before when I was going around to let you guys know that we were coming for the lunches, I had I stuttered a little bit because I'm like, hello, firefighters. So I'm going to say no. Okay. Because uh, I work with and, and I would not consider myself to be one of the ones that uh, is calendar worthy. Uh, however, uh-huh. we do have a lot of calendar worthy guys. Okay. Um, we are okay. required to be in shape. Yeah. And um, you get people that, that try to take care of themselves. Yeah. They they tend to look pretty. Okay. Um, one of my guys, he, he has his own hair dryer at the station. Oh, really? So some of them primp. Um, I, I've got a, a fantastic uh, friend who's a captain, and every time he takes that helmet off, I mean, my hair is just matted up and, and, and sweaty, and right, he takes right. his off, and it looks like he just is ready to put on a tuxedo. I oh, mean, that's just so that funny. Salt and pepper groomed head that's just okay. I'm very jealous. Okay, so what I'm hearing is some of the firefighters they're hot, but they also know that they're hot. There's okay. absolutely it's only fun when you guys don't know you're hot. Well uh tell your friends this. Okay. Okay. So uh what is your favorite firefighting movie? So do I you do, have one? I, I did. I do. Um, I, there's some very obvious choices out there for a okay. lot of firemen. Okay. You know, you've got your, your ladder 49. Right. Um, and and you're, there's a bunch of them out there. Um, mine is a movie called Burn. Burn. And it is from Detroit. It's more like a documentary. It, in fact, it is. Okay. Um, and... and in Detroit, they've had a massive amount of people leave their city. So there's a ton of vacant homes. Um, 
due to vagrants, right? insurance, or just um, buildings that are just dilapidated, they, have an, they were having an extreme amount of fires, huh. structure fires. So they would go to several in a day. Um, and then it, the, the movie goes on to explain a guy's injury and a guy who's going through retirement. And uh, it was just very, very interesting. Uh, you got a very deep perspective within that department. And I thought that was really neat. And so they came, the, the, the guy who was retiring and the guy who had been injured, paralyzed Ooh. Um, from the waist down, they, were, they came around the country and we went to a small theater and watched this movie. And they were there for questions and to take pictures. Um, it, was, it was really neat. Um, Detroit is, is a struggling city. Yeah. Uh, financially, and uh, their department struggles financially like a lot of departments do. And so to watch them come around and tell their story was really impressive. Wow. Well, you know, actually, I have an extra question because sure. that made me think of something. Are there more fires when it's cold or hot? Yes. Um, <laughs> the any, answer is yes. yes. <laughs> any, any extreme in weather. Okay. Okay. Um, you get a really, really cold time, or that, especially that first good cold snap, yeah. where everyone turns their heaters on for the first time in, oh. in, in months or maybe more than a year. Um, you get heater problems and uh, dust and lint and all the things that build up in a, in a heating and cooling system. Yeah. Um, leaks in gas systems and ha- what have you. You get to when it's really hot, um, the your temperature of your materials that would could catch fire right um, are already heated. Yeah. So you're cooking outside, the wall next to it catches on fire because it's it's already closer to a, a combustion temperature. Uh, not that that happens a lot, but oh, okay. it, it. And then you've got the wildland portion of it where when you have the extreme heat and drought and wind, um, that will always generate more fires uh my my home department had a twelve thousand acre fire earlier this year oh no and uh we've had a bunch of large fires this year that we just typically don't have all together because of the the extreme weather the heat and the lack of rain yeah and then when it comes to a big storm that comes through besides the fact that the storm just does damage um when it takes down power lines um, those power lines are live, and it yeah. you get a bunch of fires that come in with the storm. So any extreme weather hmm. can really, really do that. Uh, you go down for a hurricane, uh, for hurricane relief, and they go try to restore power to a community. Um, there's a lot of damaged lines that they don't know about. They're just trying to restore the power so people can live within their homes. And when they do that, there's usually a bunch of fires that break out because of these electrical problems. So uh, that's why they bring in extra help, especially when they're trying to put communities back together. So any extremes, hot, cold, windy, any of them. Huh. Well, you guys probably stay pretty busy. We do. Um, Both my departments have just been been uh, hit real hard this year as far as call volumes go. And yeah, so it's, it's been a, a fun and, exhausting time yeah so 
with with uh, talking about extreme temperatures and all these things, when you think about like the the public safety, is there any kind of public awareness that you wish that people had or, or knew about or any kind of tip of the day kind of a thing for fire safety or safety in general? Um, I think the biggest thing for us is helping us get to the right spot. Oh, okay. Huh. So I, I work in a near a massive highway interchange. Um, there are five bridges that head north mm-hmm. and four that head south. And I think it's four in each direction that head east and west, depending on where you are and where you're transitioning to. So for you to describe where you are having a problem, whether you're on, have been in a wreck or you're just maybe a disabled vehicle that needs a little assistance, um, it, it saves us from having to make a loop around to figure out okay. which bridge you might be on. Um, and the same would go for your rural America um, and looking at, at my house in my neighborhood, it's a brand new road. Um, and to have, if you were to uh, give good directions to your 911 operator and then um, have a, a reflective numbers on your house. Oh, okay. Reflective numbers. I yes. never thought about that. I because don't have reflective numbers on my... Most people don't. And, I don't. And, and it's even more um, more needed in rural America because we might be traveling a road before we get to the next address. Okay. I mean, a a mile, excuse me. Um, So if you could have reflective numbers, when we go to shine our lights on stuff, we're able to easily identify your address. Okay. So if we can, the more you can help us find you and get to the right spot, the faster we can be there to help mitigate the problem. I would never have thought about that. So, uh, that's really interesting. So I just want to say like, this was super fun and I'm so happy that you were able to come today. And, uh, and again, just, uh, just to, to have, I think that it's very fitting that we start the, the first episode of my podcast on September 11th. Well, I'm, I'm I was honored that you asked and I was, Absolutely. Uh, I was, uh, I was leaving my station and they had a big, big event going on there for 9-11 and um, I said it's it's always each year gets tougher and tougher um, to, to think about all the things that, that have happened and, and that have that 9-11 has created um, yeah. for our safety and security in our nation and, and then the things that affect us directly as fire departments so I'm, I'm extremely honored to be here and thank you so much for asking Absolutely. Um, And Dallas, I just want to also let our listeners know that uh, there's going to be additional content available on YouTube uh, for, for, and you can also watch the, our interview on YouTube and um, uh, Fuel the Firefighters also has a Facebook page and an Instagram page that you can find us, Fuel the Firefighters. And there's also a website, fuelthefirefighters.org. Um, and you'll also be able to please subscribe to to our channels for podcasts and, and I'm sure uh, somewhere on the screen. Yes, there'll be a there might be uh, something that we could point at that maybe would, <laughs> a link that you could follow. Hopefully, and uh, and and uh, in the in the next episode, actually, uh, the listeners will find out what it's like to be a rookie firefighter. Ooh, yes, that'd be a, be a fun perspective. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, well, actually, probably he'll tell us about the prankings that have happened to him. We'll see. We'll see what he says. <laughs> You'll have to make it happen. <laughs> probably. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for listening to Fuel the Firefighters. Thank you all.